You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. You're listening to special programming sponsored by Making Moves Life Coaching Services. The content of Veterans Affairs Plus does not reflect the views or opinions of Public Radio KUNV, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Good morning, Las Vegas. This is Veterans Affairs Plus on 91.5 Jazz and More. I'm Dave Washington, your host. Uh, look forward to sharing a lot of information. And does everyone know that this is the history month for women, women's history month. So I'm definitely going to say a few things about that as we go through today's uh, topics. Uh, Birthdays, yours truly, March 2nd, I'll be 72, God willing, as they say, and the creek don't rise. Another friend, Linda Bino's birthday is this month. Michael Lindsay, a friend of mine, uh, his birthday is this month as well. Uh, condolences. You know, last month I talked uh, extensively about Dudley Trusty Bino, and my goal was to speak a little bit more about another colleague, Chief Herschel Clady, and sort of ran out of time. So I want to spend just a little bit more time with that today. Uh, as I mentioned, when I had an opportunity, both Gene Campbell, Chief Gene Campbell, and I were able to uh, attend his services last week and. I spoke and I spoke about him as a superhero to me because this guy was one of my fire service mentors, Jacqueline, who will be our next guest. He um, he was such a tremendous uh, role model for myself, along with many other not only fire service folks, but other people in the Long Beach and Southern California area. And he was actually out of Memphis, Tennessee and grew up in. Um, San Diego, California, and went away to the Air Force, but just a tremendous friend who really pushed me as I became, well, was in pursuit of becoming fire chief for for any department, but actually wound up with the, the department that I grew up in, uh, Las Vegas Fire and Rescue. So, again, I just wanted to shout him out again and thank his wife, Dee, his good buddy, Dan, one of his posse members, his daughter, Chandra, Cassandra, and Herschel II, they did a tremendous job uh, with the services that they that they have for Herschel. Uh, believe it or not, Herschel was 81 years old and was still golfing just up until the time he got ill. So I'm going to miss this young man, this brother, this colleague, and mentor. So I just want to say a few more words about Herschel Clady, Chief, Assistant Fire Chief for the Los Angeles County Fire Department. Then on the home front, boy, we lost a a legend, uh, Mr. Herman Moody. The, he was the first black police officer to be hired uh, for the Las Vegas Police Department, as it was called now, as, as the Metropolitan Police Department and the sheriff kind of combined. But at the time when uh, Mr. Moody, and I think he retired as a sergeant, when he was patrolling and working the area, he could only work the black community. That Oh, yeah, that's the way it was. And then I learned just the other day as we had a family gathering that uh, my nephew Cliff Washington put together to have the family to come together just to discuss family issues. And I learned from my uncle, 
L.C. Kennedy, who was a, a Metro officer, that he raised so much cane when he first came on, I believe, in 1967, 67 or 69, that uh, they stopped requiring black officers to only work the black community because he said, I'm not doing that. And they start sending them out throughout the community, which should be the case anyway. So uh, Mr. Herman Moody, once again, lost him. He was 98 years old. And Mr. Herman Moody was uh, an outstanding individual that a lot of us young folks in the community uh, looked up to. In fact, uh, he was also a one of the best cement guys in the community. He not only, when he left the, as he was still working with Metro, he also had his own business as a, a, a concrete cement uh, construction worker. And in fact, they uh, did the slab for our home at uh, 1101 Ralston, and he did a superb job. But again, this is a man that we will miss, and I just hope and, and pray that God will be pleased with the work that he did with the people in the community because he was an outstanding, just a perfect gentleman. And I know that he had, uh, I think they had three girls, he and his wife, and she passed away some years ago. But once again, to the to Hermanella and, and the rest of uh, the family, uh, Mignon, you guys had a great dad, and we really, really appreciate the work that he did in our community because a lot of us looked up to him. Mr. Herman Moody, Sergeant Las Vegas Police Department, now an ancestor. And again, we appreciate the work that he did while here on earth. This is 91.5 Jazz and More. I'm Dave Washington, your host. I'll see you on the other side with our first guest. Once again, good morning, Las Vegas. This is 91.5 Jazz and More. I'm your host of Veterans Affairs Plus. I'm Dave Washington. Our first guest, Miss Jacqueline Fergus, she reminded me that her birthday just passed, so she is a Pisces as well. So happy belated birthday, young lady. <laughs> Thank you, and happy almost birthday. <laughs> yes, yes. So, uh, Jacqueline, I know you are a veteran. What branch did you serve and how long? I was in the Navy for 15 years as an air traffic controller. In the Navy? Yes. <laughs> oh, my. So... Uh, where did you serve at and how long? Again, you I, was in for, mm-hmm, I was in for 15 years and my first duty station was Norfolk, Virginia. And then after that, I was in Naples, Italy, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, then stationed in Hawaii. Then I was sent to the carrier out of San Diego. Mm-hmm. And then I retired out of San Diego from Coronado. Wow. 15 years. Yep. And... All you did was air traffic control, or did you have other positions within that service? Just air traffic control. And did you uh, attempt to do that once you exited the military? (laughs) No. (laughs) No, absolutely not. Is there any reason why not? It was way too stressful. It was like, on some days you can have... um, you know, a bad day and it doesn't really impact anybody, maybe your coworkers because you have a bad attitude or whatever. Mm-hmm. But in air traffic control, if you have a bad day, people can die. So just the um, things that, that were going on with my home life mm-hmm. and then just the regular stress of the job, I was like, I can't do this. Mm. Interesting because I know that generally there, and I was it President Reagan? I think he kind of gutted the whole tra- air traffic control group. Uh, unfortunately, but I think everybody survived that if I, well, 
everything is still moving along. So obviously we did survive that. But that's interesting. So due to the stress and one of the most stressful jobs I tell people I believe in the fire service is the dispatchers and the medics, the paramedics, because they see a lot. And I always used to tell the officers, don't be talking crazy to those dispatchers because they are your link between additional resources. So treat them with dignity and respect. I know you get a little stressed out there, but they're the ones who are trying to ensure that you get what you need to function out there. So the stress said to you, no, you don't want to be this when you be when you roll out to civilian life. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> it's interesting. And I have you guys to know for, uh, I always like to disclose things that are important that I feel that the public should know. Jacqueline is a dear friend of my daughter, Amber, our youngest daughter. You guys went to school together, right? Yeah, we cheered together in high school. Yeah, y'all did cheered? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And we used to... We used to skip school and watch stories at your house. <laughs> I, can, I can say that 30 years later, right? Wes, that ain't funny, man. I see you over there laughing. Yeah, the things that young folks do. So why did you decide to to actually join uh, the military and the Navy in of itself? Well, I wanted to go to school to be a fashion designer, mm. but my parents didn't have a plan for me okay. as far as, you know, finances. There was nothing set aside for me to go to school. And, you know, since I was skipping school, my grades weren't all of that. So (laughs) I didn't get a scholarship. And my mom was like, well, you need to do something. So I initially wanted to go to the Air Force, Mm -hmm. but they were like, you're a little overweight. (laughs) And I was like, well, yeah. And I was like, well, I'm definitely not going to the Marine Corps or the Army because I don't like to be dirty. Mm -hmm. And I want to be someplace where I'm going to be comfortable in the air condition, using my mind, not necessarily my body. So the um, Navy was the natural choice. Hmm. Interesting. So what would you say to a young man or woman who was considering a military career? I would say do it. Um, The sacrifice, you have to sacrifice whether you're going to go to work nine to five or you're going to be an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. or in the military. But Mm -hmm. the reward I feel from my experience is that it is greater. The sacrifice is greater, of course, but Mm -hmm. so is the reward because my children are able to go to school and not have I don't have to pay for them to go to school. The military pays for them to go to school. Right. And health care, the experience that you get from having, you know, 5, 10, 15 years working in a job, Mm -hmm. and then you're able to go out into the civilian world and actually apply that if you want to. And if not, then that's fine, too, Mm -hmm. because hopefully you'll have that retirement money coming in to supplement you. Right. Interesting. So you mentioned children. I did. (laughs) I've got three. Three. So my oldest is 23, and she's just, like, not about the military life. She doesn't my kids don't like to be told what to do. I don't, I don't know where they got that from, but yeah, right. um, so yeah, so she went to college and mm-hmm. is, she got um, her degree in business. And then I've got a 15 year old and a 13 year old and I mm-hmm. homeschool them because mm-hmm. when I was in the military, I hated having to leave my kids. Like that was gut wrenching. It was horrible, heartbreaking. So when I, um, decided to retire because they were offering early retirement at the time. I was like, I'm definitely going to take it and I will never miss another event because of work. Like, I'm just not doing that anymore. So they are part of my life every single hour, pretty much. So you you, you got out early because they, they offered early outs. Mm-hmm. So 
what did they give you time? Well, so I'm assuming that they gave you additional time to add to your 15. Well, because, and I will say this, if you're thinking about um, going to the military, keep meticulous records about your injuries, about anything that you deal with medically, because I was able to retire early, but I also had a medical retirement. Mm -hmm. So I was rated at 100% disability. Mm. So that gave me a retirement as if I were a captain instead of just an E6. Oh, really? Yeah. So definitely you want to keep your medical records up to par. And um, yeah, so I make good money just by waking up in the morning more than what a lot (laughs) of people make having to go to work. That is interesting. So Keep meticulous records you're suggesting to folks or advising them to do yes. if they go in. Right. And don't be ashamed to get, you know, mental health um, help. And if something hurts, don't be too, like, macho or too proud to be like, no, my back hurts. And go to medical for that because if it's in your record, you're going to be compensated for it when you're ready to, to get out. Excellent. Well, you know, and you mentioned getting help, particularly as it relates to mental. I know that uh, something I mentioned, my my nephew Cliff, uh, a little bit ago on one of the the Sundays, every other Sunday we do a Zoom call, talk about family matters, et cetera. And he brought up the issue of there seems to be like a pandemic or just an overflow of young people wanting to, to kill themselves. So, and I know that in our community, and I'm talking about the black community, it used to be, and I think it's changing now, that it would be taboo. You're crazy. Just go sit down somewhere. Don't go get no help. That ain't part of the the deal, which is crazy as we think about it in these modern times. There's a lot of things that are crazy that happen within our community. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that we don't talk about. We don't talk about mental health. We don't mm-hmm. talk about money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like money is a huge thing. It's a huge factor for mm-hmm. your mental health. If you're not able to feed your family, if you're not able to take those breaks to relax and reset, you're going to be stressed out. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to want to be like, oh, my God, I'm tired of this, right? <laughs> it's It can be overwhelming. And so, like, my goal is to help people work on their mindset Mm -hmm. so that they can see the world from a different paradigm or a different set of lenses and get out of the victimhood. And then also teach them about how money works, because if your money is right and your mind is right, well, then now you can start living the life that you want to live and Mm -hmm. not necessarily be in victim mode and sad and despair all the time. Right. Now, you mentioned that the the military will take care of your children's education. How about you? Did you go back to school or are you in school in terms of degree or what you did in the military has sufficed you so far? I went back to school mm-hmm. for communication mm-hmm. and now I am an aspiring speaker because I want to help people learn more about money and, like I said, get their their um, their goals in order inside of their head and all of this these sorts of things. Right. So the military did pay for my schooling. And mm-hmm. the only reason that the military covers my kids' schooling is because of my um, 100% rating. Right. But again, had I not made those initial sacrifices in the military, I wouldn't be reaping these huge rewards. Right. This is, as I mentioned earlier, Women's History Month. Any reflections with regards to any women that kind of mentored you, or et cetera, et cetera? During your life? There's so many women that mentored me, but I would have to say my grandmother who passed away maybe two years ago. Mm-hmm. She passed away and she was 101 years old. Mm. So could you imagine the history that she's seen? 
Um, I regret that I didn't take the time to like really sit down and dig into her past and everything. Um, I think that it's so important though, that we, if you do have a person in your life like that, that has seen things, they can help you prepare for the future because they know what, you mean, things are kind of cyclical, right? So, yeah. This is Veterans Affairs Plus on 91.5 Jazz and More. I'm going to have you to come back on the other side for just a few more moments. Once again, Las Vegas, this is Veterans Affairs Plus on 91.5 Jazz and More. I'm Dave Washington, your host. I thought it would be important to bring Miss Jacqueline back for just a few more moments because I had a couple of additional questions based upon her talking about her grandmother. You know, something that I, I, I started out to do last year, I tried to shuffle it off to my, to my nephew, Cliff. He didn't, he didn't know, like, this ain't my job, this is yours. And, and, and my point is, I got some, some they're elders. I'm an elder now with, with my family at 71, soon to be 72. But I told my family, I think it's important I got an aunt. I'm not going to give you your age, Aunt Magnolia, Aunt Ruby, and then we got a cousin, uh, Ike, down in Texas. But I want to get these folks on the phone because something you said triggered my mind on what I didn't do with a couple of my grandmothers, to include my own mother and father, to talk about some of the things that occurred in their life. And I just think it's important for us to know about those things, whatever they may have been, good, bad, or indifferent, because I think that it helps us to become stronger as people, as fellow human beings, and just to know. Because there, there are some things that I want to know about my dad who's passed that I didn't ask him and I wish that I had. So now I don't want to leave this out and not have my own family to ask these questions of some of our elders. I love that. <laughs> so you love that. <laughs> so tell me, you, you mentioned your grandmother as a mentor. Was there any other? I would really have to say my mom, too. I mean, obviously my mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but those would be the main ones that I can think of right now. Okay. All right. Closing remarks from you on uh, what we've covered today, and I appreciate you coming in. Well, I really appreciate you having me here. This has been an amazing experience. Um, but, yeah, again, if you are looking to join the military, just keep your books in order. And another thing is... We can talk about this another time if you would like to, mm-hmm. but instead of using the SGLI, which is the service, I don't even remember what it stands for, but mm-hmm. it's their life insurance. Mm-hmm. You want to have something that is a permanent life insurance because that's just for term and that's a whole other topic. Yeah. But you want to have your money working for you while you are out there working for your money. Mm-hmm. That way, when you do retire, you'll have a huge nest egg to to pull from to buy the house that you want to buy or live the life that you want to live instead of just relying on your military retirement. Thank you so much, Ms. Jacqueline. And she actually retired as an E6, but yeah. paid at lieutenant's dollars. And that is a wonderful. So have a plan for those of you who are still in the military as you exit, have a plan on how you're going to deal with things going forward in life. So once again, thank you for the opportunity to come and be on our program. And I trust that some of the veterans out there will gain something from what you've stated today. And we look forward to having you back on again to tell us about the success of you becoming a motivational, inspiring type speaker. So thank you so much, Jack.
Good morning once again. This is Veterans Affairs Plus on 91.5 Jazz and More. I'm Dave Washington, your host. Our next guest is a longtime friend, Miss Dora Legren. How are you doing, Dora? I'm just fine, Dave. How are you? I am doing well, doing well. Thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. All right. Dory, how long have you lived in Las Vegas and where are you from? Gabe, I came here um, August 22nd, 1977, so that would put me here at 46 years from Detroit, Michigan. Detroit, Michigan. 46 years this year, yeah. All right, from the Motor City, the Motor City. (laughs) Dora, many years ago, you ran for state assembly. You weren't successful, but I'd really like to know what you may have gained out of that experience. Um, Dave, that experience was an education that money can't buy. Um, first of all, you you have to care enough to run and then decide whether you're willing to do the hard work and to learn. And so I ran. Um, I met a lot of interesting people. There was an opportunity to help people even after I even after I'd left. As you know, I always have something to say about um, about blacks. And so my professional life and my um, my community life has always intersected with one another. And I learned that leadership is an activity, not a position. Mm. Uh, despite not ha- not winning the assembly um, title, I was still a leader. I share with others my experiences. I help people anywhere I can. And I do whatever I can do to try to make situations better for other people. And so all of that came, a lot of that came out of me running for office. Excellent. Well, you know, one of the things that I wanted to get you and some other women, all, all the shows this month will be with women. And the next one we'll have is Sandra Marshall, the American Legion Auxiliary, and then okay. Sue Phillips with the, Phelps rather, with the, she has a, new, a veterans newspaper. But Dora, tell me from, uh, and, and I know enough about you in terms of, and, and it's, it's interesting that you say, talk about leadership. I know that you've always been extremely active in the community. In fact, I recall when you were one of the lead members of the Martin Luther King Committee. Uh, talk about that experience a little bit, if you would. So the Martin Luther King Committee was actually my foray into community activism. As you very well know, at that time, I met your your wife back in 1985, and she introduced me to the King Committee. And from there, um, I've always been committed, like I said, to helping other people. So from the King Committee, I've, you know, chaired the boards of SafeNet, well, vice chair of the boards of SafeNet, um, chaired the KCEP at one time, Economic Opportunity Development um, State of Nevada Welfare Board. I chaired the Southern Nevada Regional Housing Authority, a Workforce Connection Board. And so everything I've done has been to make sure that we help and we left, uplift other people. So it has been, um, the, the King Committee was my first step into the Las Vegas community, and it's just been rising ever since then. Although right now I'm trying to tamper all of that down. <laughs> I I understand that, Dora. In fact, my family has been on me about stepping back. You know what? I I learned uh, quite a bit in just those few statements that you made because I didn't realize you were on the board and and cheering over at SafeNet, which is a very important community organization for folks. Absolutely. Um, And it it seems to be more important now than ever with all the domestic violence that is taking place in our community. Mm -hmm. But SafeNet is a very interesting organization and they not only serve women they serve men as well Mm -hmm. and so 
for anyone who is experiencing any type of domestic violence, be it male or female, they're an excellent organization to reach out to. I, I uh, vice chair their boards for seven years. Hmm. So offhand, and I, I know I'm really asking a lot because how would people make contact with that particular organization? Is there, Do they have a website or anything? Segnex has both a website and a phone number, and I can pull it up for you. I didn't have it because um, I didn't know we were going to talk about it that much. But yes, no. it is. Um, it, it you can reach it anywhere. You can reach the you can reach the the um, the office itself. You can reach the home that they have if you if you need help. They're a twenty four hour organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I. I tell people all the time, as I told you, I'm not a journalist. I don't try to trip people up, but just some things that you said spurred me to ask that question because I think we're we're trying to grow our listening audience and and the kind of information that you would give out, I think, will be important. So uh, as I continue to kind of quiz you on things, if you would look that up, I think it's important for for people to know. So the next thing I want. It's not a problem at all. Great. You and I served on the Metropolitan Police Department's a multicultural committee. Tell me about your experience there. And, and I'm not going to throw you out there to the wolves, but I will say this, Dora don't play. She's very, <laughs> very well versed in any topic that comes up, anything that she brings up, you better believe that she has researched it. You know, cause sometimes you would, as I sit there and watch you operate Dora, you know, me and uh, Barbara Robinson, we used to raise so much cane and then when you come in, you always you always have your facts and you be bam, bam, bam. And you and sometimes I, I could see whatever sheriff it was get a little red in the face. But, you know, when you bring in truth, it's got to be responded to. And it's nothing. And, and one thing I used to tell Ramadan, one thing and I've told Kevin and others to include our new governor, Joe Lombardo. Look, one thing I, I noticed that none of us ever walked out of that room angry. You know, we, right. we, we, we get on we get on each other's nerves a little bit, but it was all for the right thing. It's for for the service of the people. And not only that, I tell people we're there to serve those officers too. That's absolutely correct. Um and you know, as as Kevin is moving forward and he's talking about um a police department full of humanity and humility and taking care of his police officers, Mm -hmm. um, then they'll take care of the people. It has been a very interesting experience for me. Um, um, It became more interesting when Byron Williams was killed in September of 2019. Mm -hmm. And that was when uh, me and four or five other people worked with Captain Jim LaRochelle to revise their use of force policy. Mm -hmm. Because when they, when they, when they, essentially killed that man. He said 24 times that he couldn't breathe. Hmm. And then the officers mocked him and high five um, as they, as they were taking him down and they turned off the cameras, the whole nine yards. So you were there, you know, that didn't fit too well with any of us. Mm-hmm. So we sat and we came up with the, we came up with the revisions to the use of force policy. And so in that policy, now they have to make sure that they're restraining individuals in a manner that does not compromise their ability to breathe. They need to make sure that they're, repl- they're placing those individuals in a recovery position. They need to make, they have a duty to intervene because nobody helps. You know, you have all these officers standing around and this man is in distress and nobody seems to help him. Mm-hmm. They also have a duty to render aid. Um, nobody again they're standing around and nobody's rendering aid to this man Mm -hmm. so with that 
we uh, they need they, now they have to make sure that their body cameras are on and their foot pursuit policy was changed as a result of that. So mm-hmm. we collectively, you and all of us on the, in that committee, bring a lot to the Metropolitan Police Department because we can share with them our perspective as citizens and not as police officers. Excellent. And so I think it is, um, as a matter of fact, it's, it's the only thing that I'm doing right that I want to do right now because, mm-hmm. I, as you know, I chair their African-American Recruitment Committee, right. and we need to make we need to ensure that blacks are becoming a part of this organization. We can't continue to complain about the problems um, unless we become a part of the solution. Absolutely. And so part of that solution is for us to get in. We can't win it if we aren't in it. Absolutely. And a part of that is for us to get in it so that we collectively as a group of black folk can make sure that things are being done right. Excellent. Excellent. Dora, this being uh, Women's History Month, any particular thoughts with respect to any figure or two that you hold in high esteem? I'm talking about women. Um, oof. Wow. Let me think about it. Um, So, David, I'm kind of like you. I I have a real hard time lifting um, people up because people will let you fail. The the person that I look to more than anyone is Jesus. Because Mm. if you read the Bible, he sets the tone for how all of us should be and how we are. And so as women collectively, I think we probably follow his teachings mm-hmm. more than say per se men do because we're we're incubators we receive stuff inwardly and right. i think that's why we have an opportunity to um to express it and to be more compassionate and more empathetic towards people so in terms of a particular woman i i can't think of anyone right offhand um because i i i kind of sway on the side of following the mm-hmm. word of god all right close remarks um, well, first of all, thank you for having me on. You know, I kept saying, I don't know why you want me to come on. I don't have anything to offer. I don't have anything to offer. And, I, and I'm glad that you're doing this as we go forward. Um, I hope we as a community, as a black community, can continue to progress and to be willing to lift one another up because it's not just nothing is about us. It's mm-hmm. about the young people that are coming behind us. And I think we need to put in the work the time and the effort to make sure that they're headed in the right direction and that they have whatever it is they need to be successful. Excellent, Dora. Appreciate it and love you, sister friend, for doing the work that you do in our community. Once again, Las Vegas, this is Veterans Affairs Plus on 91.5 Jazz and More. I'm your host, Dave Washington. And don't forget to call Tony Marshall, 301-537-9465. Thank you so much. All right, Dora. You're more than welcome. We'll Bye-bye. be in touch. Take care. Thanks. Bye.